0: Cool. And he told you that ESV is the best translation, right? No, No, he didn't. He probably said something about me and Ben, didn't he? He said it was a close. Yeah, close fit. That's good. I've been enjoying, I've been, obviously, I'm with the youth on Wednesdays, but I've been listening via podcast. We we save all of our um, messages here, and you can listen to them via podcast. So I was listening to them. I was blessed by them. I did hear him mention me on that specific night. So, I am teaching out of the ESV, um, and there are many reasons why I do that. Uh, He's a lot smarter than me, though, so you should probably trust him. But they're both good translations. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 tonight, um, and we're also going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The youth are right now in the middle, actually finishing a series on the Holy Spirit. So you guys are going to jump in, kind of here at the tail end. Um, but it will be all good things. We talked about the Holy Spirit for three or four weeks now. We talked about, uh, we asked three questions. We asked, who is the Holy Spirit? And it's important that we say that, who, because the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. And so we said, who is the Holy Spirit? The next question we asked, which was the most recent week, was, what does he do? Um, And we talked about how the Holy Spirit calls us He regenerates us and he sanctifies us. We talked about how, um, in youth you'll remember this analogy, we're on a ship, we get shipwrecked, we're in the middle of the water drowning, we're falling into an abyss, and God comes, God the Father comes by with a big giant ship, and the Holy Spirit is on that ship, and he calls out and says, look, there's Jesus, and we look at Jesus, he saves us. So the Holy Spirit calls out from Scripture and calls us to look at the gospel, which is the news by which we are saved. So the Holy Spirit calls us, then it says he regenerates us in Titus chapter 2, and regeneration is talking about being born again, Um, and then it also says that he sanctifies us, and that means making us more like Christ or making us more holy, and that's a progressive, continual, upward and inward type of deal for the rest of our lives. Um, So this week, we'll kind of see how that last one specifically plays out, and we're going to be talking about what gifts does he bring? So who is the Holy Spirit? We talked about that. What does he do? And now what gifts does he bring? So if you are a Christian here tonight, then that means the Holy Spirit, you've been given by God, and he has given you a unique grace for the good of other people. The Holy Spirit has given us a unique grace, each and every one of us, For the good of others. So we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit tonight. I'm not going to go into detail about any single one of them. Um, We're going to to ask, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the necessity of the gifts, the purpose of the gifts, which those will kind of go hand in hand. And we're going to look at the greatest of the gifts. Um, And so bear with me as we walk through this. God has saved us, He's called us by the Spirit, He's made us born again. And he is continually making us more like himself. And one of the ways he does that, one of the ways that we get to know him better and make him known greater is with the help of the gifts of the Spirit. These are necessary because on our own volition and by our own strength, we cannot serve others rightly, we cannot love others truly, and we cannot live Christly. And I think that's a new word I just made up, so run with that. We cannot... Love others truly, we cannot serve others rightly, and we cannot live Christly or like Christ. So, Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. It's a long section, but I'm going to read the whole thing, so follow along with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So notice here, in this long passage here, the contrast between spirit and flesh. They obviously run against one another. They, they don't like one another. So though we are saved, though we're, we've been born again, we've been called by the Spirit, though we have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, we still deal and wrestle with this thing called flesh, our sin. Um, and there would be no fight unless the Spirit was with us. So just to give you an example, it's like a boxing match. I want you to picture Rocky IV. Has anybody ever seen that movie? Rocky IV. You have Rocky Balboa, Ivan Drago, or Ivan Drago, the tall Russian dude. Um, Without the spirit, you have Ivan Drago's The Flesh. We come out into the boxing ring, hands down, no gloves on, and spaced out. We're looking to get beat up severely, right? One punch to the face, we're knocked out cold. Without the Spirit in our corner, that's what it's like. But with the Spirit, there is a fight. You may get knocked down, you may get beat up, but you get back up and you keep fighting. And so the question is, if the Spirit and the flesh are against one another, and we have the Spirit within, within us, what are the weapons, so to say, that we use against the flesh? Well, I think the weapons here are found in verse 22. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, all of these things that the spirit that, that are that 're fruits of the spirit that come from the spirit um, they are essential since you can look at each one of them and see Christ in each one. You look at each of those characteristics or attributes or fruits, and you can see how Christ fulfills each one of those. those are essential for us as Christians now i 'm going to kind of try to make an argument for something here these Fruits don't happen in our lives unless we have the Spirit, okay? So these are, in a sense, unique graces or gifts, if you will, that are given to us by the Spirit. Now, I know these are vague. These are true of all Christians or should be true of all Christians, right? But this is not—I'm not speaking of, like, spiritual gifts that we're going to get to in 1 Corinthians 12. But these are, in a sense, vague graces that we've been given by God through the Spirit we need these gifts. These are necessary to glorify God and to serve others. Now, like I said, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are more specific or individualistic gifts that are given to us, but we need these fruits in order to glorify God and to serve others. These will be true of us if we have the Spirit. They are, in fact, the fruits of the Spirit. So gifts— by the Spirit, grace that's given to us by the Spirit is necessary in order to serve others and glorify God. Now, what goes hand in hand with that is the purpose. This is how we can describe the purpose. Gifts are for us through the Spirit to glorify and exalt God by serving others. And this gets played out most evidently through the assembly of believers. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where we'll get more into why these gifts are given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Now I'm going to pause here. I'm going to use what limited knowledge I have of the Greek language to tell you that the word gifts here is charisma. Okay? So, We, or it's charisma, I guess. Charis is grace in the Greek language. Charis means grace. And here we have charisma, which is graciously given gifts, okay? So, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So there are different specific individualistic gifts here listed that one person may have and another might not have. Uh, if you think about it, we've all been uniquely designed like a snowflake. They all kind of look the same from the outside, but when you look at a snowflake under a microscope, each one is different in its makeup, which is Amazing, and points us to the glory of God and how great He is and how awesome He is as the Creator, so are we uniquely and individually designed by God for a specific purpose and a specific gift to us, or maybe some uh, multiple gifts so i'm I'm not going to dive into each different gift. I'm not going to say, I mean, there's a lot of uh, controversy over a lot of these. Do do we still see these practiced? Are they still going on? What's going on here with tongues and prophecy and all this stuff? Um, I'll just say that I am a cautious continuationist, which means I think maybe they're still here, but I don't see them practiced very often. That's where I think pastor would land as well. Um, But what I want you to notice here at the end is in verse 11, it says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So these gifts that were given by the spirit are, are not something that we choose. Like, oh, I like to utter wisdom, so I think that I'll pursue wisdom. You don't get to choose your gift. The iPhone doesn't choose its capabilities, right? The designer programs it in a certain way, so it works, okay? Or Android, if you have an Android. So too does the spirit apportion these gifts or give these gifts to us as he wills it says there at the end as he pleases he gives those gifts so you have all these gifts and and paul's what he's going to do here We're going to continue in this chapter he's going to liken this to an individual body part making up all these individual body parts coming together to make up one human body this is the analogy he's going to use and it's very helpful i think um So let me read, starting in verse 14. For the one body does not consist of one member of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I want to show you, and then we see in First Peter four ten. it's up on the screen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has graced us individually with gifts, with differing gifts, so that we could glorify him through serving others. The point of our gift is to use it to serve one another. The point of our gift is not to use it to serve ourselves. So you can look around in this room tonight, it might be a good exercise, and think about the people that are in this room, and you can say, if you're a Christian, you've been gifted by the Spirit, my gift is for you. I have been gifted by the Spirit for your sake, to serve you, to put myself last and put you first by serving you via whatever that gift may be. We have been gifted for one another. So to give you an example, pastor has been gifted with teaching and preaching so that we would grow and learn. And I'm giving examples for my youth leaders tonight. Andrew has been gifted with encouragement so that we can continue to go on in our faith. Regina has been gifted with mercy so she can serve and help, help us to grow. Candace has been gifted with serving. Kevin has been gifted with giving. Generosity. I believe that I've been gifted to lead. And so all of those play a different part, but they all come together for one purpose, to serve one another in order that we would grow together, that we would be edified, that we would be encouraged, that we would be exhorted, and that we would grow to be more like Christ is the head of this body. So this analogy of the body shows that we are actually not individualistic at this church in a sense of we think about ourselves and we're looking out for ourselves, but that we are actually truly reliant on one another. If I'm an eye, I still need an ear and an arm and a foot, right? If I'm an ear, I need a nose and a toe and a finger. We are reliant upon one another As Christians, as believers. And God has so ordained it that the Spirit gives us each an individual gift that will be used to serve one another for God's glory. So we serve one another with our gifts, with our talents, with our resources given to us by God to glorify Him. And so we have the necessity of gifts. We need them to serve one another. We need them to glorify God. We have the purpose, which is to serve one another and to glorify God. Uh, via these graces that God has given us. And then the last point I want to hit on is the greatest of these gifts. Now, I'm not picking out a specific gift from this list, or there's a few other lists throughout Scripture. I'm not picking out a specific gift, so you're going to have to hold with me for a second here. I want us to turn our attention, probably just one page over, to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And this is what he says as he starts. So after all of that talk about gifts, and we're one body, many members, we're all working together for the same purpose, to, to serve one another and to glorify God. After he says all that, this is what he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging Your gift in really any action you partake in as a Christian is meaningless if you don't have love. And this is the point he's making. He takes three of the greatest gifts here, meaning like so great and mighty and evident as they are done, and he says if you do these, these amazing feats, but you don't love, then it means nothing. It's meaningless. So the Holy Spirit, who is God, calls us, regenerates us, sanctifies us, makes us more like Christ. And one of the ways that is true, one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the ways that we can see this in our life, is love. Christ-like love. Christ shows us his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. We didn't love him first, and he's up in the midst of perfection in heaven thinking, ah, oh, shucks, I guess I'll come down and get you guys in, right? Right? He didn't see our love for him. In fact, he saw our hatred for him, and yet he still comes down. He descends this staircase of humility down to earth, the king of the universe, and dies for us. Because of his great love for us, love is what motivated him to come and save us for his glory and for our good. So we only love because Christ has loved us first. So this is amazing because you, on your own, don't have this love. Of your own strength and of your own volition, we talked about it, as we saw with the fruits of the Spirit, we don't have those things on our own. We can't. We we can't have Christ-like love without Christ, without God in us, indwelling by the Spirit. It is wrought in our life by the Holy Spirit. Though we battle to show it, though we suppress it and hide it with our flesh, Uh, Though those two things are pulling against one another constantly, though we do what we don't want to do, as Paul says, and I don't do what I do want to do, right? He says that in Romans 7. Though that is true of us, when this Christ-like love blossoms out of our life, when it flourishes, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Tainted as it is, not perfect, imperfect as it is, it's a beautiful thing when Christ-like love is shown from a sinful creature like us. So this love is the underlying grace that motivates us and drives our gift, that drives our service to one another. We don't serve one another if we don't have a love for one another. Okay? I don't. Nobody goes and serves someone, gives up their time, gives up their energy and efforts if they don't first love them. The love is what's motivating them. Christ comes down because he loves because he loved first not because we loved him first. So this is the this love that Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians specifically and you know intentionally right after talking about these spiritual gifts he says look if you have these things but you don't love then it means nothing. So he's telling us that the underlying grace and if we skip down to verse 13 he says now faith hope and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. If we don't have that, then our gifts mean nothing. Our service means nothing. It's all in vain. It's for ourselves. It's selfish. So, to give an example, I use this gift God has given me that I believe God has given me, and I, I don't believe that just on my own. I, people affirm this thing. That's how we find out what our gifts are. People affirm them in you. I use my gift of leading and serving because I love and I specifically love you guys a lot. Um, So that's why I lead and why I serve. pastor would say the same thing if he was here. He loves you guys, and that's what's motivating. The underlying grace that's motivating his gift is the fact that he loves and cares for you. So we as Christians use the gifts given by the Spirit, whatever they may be, whether we are a hand or an eye or a foot or an ear, we use them because we love. And just as a so- side note, real quick, I want to point you to the very next verse in chapter 14. So, he uses this, he talks about love in chapter 13 because he was talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And then in chapter 14, the first thing he says is, so I don't I don't know what's going on with the translators while they're breaking this up. But anyway, chapter 14, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Not backwards. Not pursue spiritual gifts and desire love. No, he says pursue. It's an action. Go after love because that's most important. And then desire the gifts. So he's giving us the pattern on how to make this happen in our lives. So as we see this, there's many things that we could talk about. But it's obvious that this... Underlying grace or this foundational level grace that is given to us by the Spirit is a Christ-like love which motivates, drives, is the wind in our sails as we seek to serve one another for the glory of God. Holy Spirit gives us gifts that are necessary and purposeful for the exalting of God, and through them, we use them in a manner where we are lovingly serving others just as Christ has served us. So, Christians, use your gifts for this purpose. You may think, I don't know what my gift is. Well, good. Paul gives you what to do here. Pursue love. (laughs) Pursue love and then desire gifts and serve one another. It's really not a complex thing here. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So use your gifts for the good of others. And we do that most evidently, I think, In the church, when we assemble as believers in the local church, when we assemble as believers, we are seeking on a Sunday morning not to just receive things, right, but to give as much as we can. We should be exhausted on a Sunday morning seeking to give and give and give, though it may look really small. It might look like a hug of encouragement. It might look like a few words of encouragement. It might look like, you know, helping someone out to their car. It might look like opening the door for someone. It might look something small, but we are here to serve one another for God's glory, and we do that by using our spiritual gifts that we've been given by the Spirit. So we take our gifts and we use them for this purpose. Questions on that? I don't have any questions prepared for afterwards, so... Does anybody have any questions on any of that? Pam. So, do have gifts? I, I, so I don't think that non-Christians have spiritual gifts. No. Yeah. So this love is not like a love that we would see in, in the world. It's a Christ-like love. It's unselfish love. It's, it's kind of distinguished from, from what we would do as an unbeliever, I would say. But then, obviously, the spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 are specific to Christians only. That's a good question, though. Yeah, Beverly. What? I can't hear you. What did you say? Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's a tough, but the only good thing about us is Christ. So if he's missing from the equation, then we and of ourselves are not good. Though we can look at the world and see like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a non-profit or organization that might do a lot of good, you know. And we can, we can rally behind that, but this underlying grace of Christ-like love is not there because they're not, they don't have the Spirit, which is the one who gives us that, I believe. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, um we can't pray to God without a mediator, and so if we don't have a mediator god doesn't doesn't hear our prayers. We have to have Christ, we have to have the Spirit interceding on our behalf, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, hundred percent. That kind of made me think that there's the verse that says, "Our righteousness is as filthy rags." Mm Yeah. Um, And then also that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yeah. So the things that that unbelievers are doing to be good are you know for their own self-seeking to make themselves feel good. Yeah. Things like that. It's not truly about honoring the Lord. Right. Um, It's about themselves. Yeah. So. Even, so even the good deeds that they're doing aren't truly honorable for the Lord. Right. And, I mean, we know that because we still do that sometimes. I, I mean, speaking for myself, it's easy to do something for selfish gain, right? And so we, we're still battling that flesh. So we, we well are well aware of what that's like, yeah. And that, yeah, that that's a good point. Um, yeah, I heard a song that said... The best of my deeds pierced his hands and his feet, so if you think about it, even our what we think is good, like he's saying, it's still this the same sin that nailed his hands and feet to the cross, and so yeah well, devil, snake, right? <laughs> that's right, he is a sneaky snake, yeah, yeah. deceiving yeah and, you know, I'm not I'm a bad person. no. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, there, yeah. There's that divide, the spirit and the flesh. You, there's a constant like. Sometimes we're just like, why in the world am I doing that? You know, like, I know I don't want to do that, but I do want to do it. It's just yeah, yeah. It's tough. And this is just like a super like. There's so much more to this that is very more involved. So this is kind of just a, glossing over it. But yeah, Jim. Mm-hmm. My favorite one Yeah, go for it. we be all right, yeah, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It is great. Yeah, Will. And, and, and so we see that culminate in the fact that we're given— because we—I mean, I'm going to be honest. This, the one, one of the reasons I started this series is because I just neglect the Holy Spirit, I feel like. We don't know the Holy Spirit. We obsess over him or we neglect over him, or we neglect him. So through the Spirit is which—in the ways we know that. Because um, Jesus says himself, he says, it's better that I go and ascend to the Father— and that the helper comes, and you're thinking, like, what in the world? That's, that can't be, right? And one pastor said, um, Jesus beside you is not better than the Spirit inside you. And so you have the Spirit who is making known those things, and, and the fruits are popping out as evidence of what peace is and what love is and what joy. We can't know those things unless God is showing them and transforming us from the inside. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. No more questions. Let's be encouraged by this. Let's actually be challenged by this to to serve one another with our gifts. Um, there's a variety of them, all right. And um, there's so many different ways that we can get involved that we can serve. Um, I'm, I'm thinking just here, even at this church, there's so many ways. And, and then obviously outside the walls, there's so many different ways that we can serve. Um, but it's a beautiful thing when the church comes together and everyone's serving, everyone's exhibiting or exercising their gift, and the body looks whole. We're not dismembered. I don't have a ear crawling over there or like a foot somewhere else. Yeah, Beverly? Yeah, whole and healthy, right? No smokers' lungs or anything. <laughs> Good. Let me, let me pray as we end here. Father, thank you for